0: you to understand the importance of this particular message. The next 30 minutes we have together is the most important 30 minutes of your life. There will be no other 30 minute time in your life of more importance than this one, because we will discuss today the most important question that you'll ever hear or ever ever answer. And the question on the table today is, who is Jesus Christ? For if you get this question wrong, everything will be wrong in your life if you get this question right everything in your life will work out right the question on the table who is jesus christ he will in our story today be asked three consecutive times who are you who are you who are you now let me just stop right there and ask you if i asked you who you were once would you get it right the first time anybody here got that together i would thank you i would too jan i know who i am Jesus is asked, he answers, not good enough for them. He's asked, he answers, not good enough for them. He asked again, and he answers again, and it's not good enough for them. You know what I got to say to that? He's given the information, and they reject it. This is what happens. People today have a choice. Whether you will believe what God says about his son or not. There is no, in his word at least, ambiguity. It is not allowed for. Christ was so clear on who he was and what he did that there is no ambiguity. Yesterday I was in Sun River, and then me and Adam Pearson, my longtime friend, went snowboarding, which I do not recommend if you're over 40. <sighs> Sheesh, it's hard work. And so we went snowboarding, but, but really we went, didn't go snowboarding. We really went to ride the lifts. Okay? That's really what we went for, the lift. The lift. Because when you're riding a lift, you get to sit next to a perfect stranger for about three and a half minutes and engage them, okay? And me and Adam Pearson have been doing this for years. And what we do is we pray first. We spend about an hour in our car praying and fellowshipping after we got to the mountain. And then we would pray before we got on lifts, and we would try and use discernment. Who are we supposed to talk to? And we sat down on the lift and began to ride up. And the first guy, his name was Jeremy. And it was me, Adam, and Jeremy. And as we were riding up, hey, what's your name, Jeremy. And as we got to the end of the lift, it was from here to about Highway 101, that's where the lift ended, and Adam looked at Jeremy and said, Jeremy, if you die before we get to the top of this lift, which is a good way to get someone's attention, like, uh, you know. <laughs> and he said, will you go to heaven or hell? And you know what Jeremy, it was crazy. You know what Jeremy said? He said, I woke up this morning, and the first thought in my mind was, I need to go to church. That I need to get back, and we asked, him, "Are you a Christian?" He said, "I, I, I think I am. You know, I, I was I was confirmed at age 14. And we said, "But are you a Christian?" I, I, and he gave another kind of soft answer. Well, I, I was raised in a in a church, and we said, and I leaned forward. I said, "You cannot go to heaven, Jeremy, unless you are born again." Jesus said that in John three, and so the invitation is for everyone to be born again. You can go to heaven, Jeremy. You don't have to. You're going to die at the top of this lift, Jeremy. You know. He didn't die at the top of the lift We were fine And yet when we were done with that, that lift right there he, Jeremy was so pumped, high fives, smiles We said, Jeremy, when you go to bed tonight Just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. if you're real Would you come into my life? Born me again, reborn, you know, do, do it I want you, I want all of you And God was already working in that man's heart He was already working in that man's heart It was so powerful How many of you guys think that every single lift ride Went that way the rest of the day? Oh man some fun conversations. Because people are there to have fun. I'm here to snowboard. I'm here to ski. I'm not here to, you know, talk about God and real stuff. I remember this one conversation. We were there. It was me and Adam and these two girls. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a teacher, and I'm a, I'm a vitamin retailer, and as we're riding this lift up, Adam Pearson leans forward and says, Are you girls Christians? Maybe he didn't have that tone or that kind of volume, but he's, you know... Are you girls Christians? And the girl on the right, she was a vitamin retail rep or whatever. She said, "No, absolutely not." Now she was a skier, so I already knew she wasn't saved. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm kidding. That's not even funny. It's offensive. It's offensive to the skiing community. And, and so she said, "No, I'm not. I'm not a Christian." And the girl next to Adam, she said, "Well, I guess so." It was, it was weird. It was like they didn't. You know, no one was no prepared for that kind of talk, unless Adam Pearson's on the scene. And, and she said, I guess I guess so, I'm a Christian. And Adam, with a boldness that, that I, I learned from, said, if you have to say, I guess so, you're not a Christian. It was, it was a savage answer. I was like, whoa. And you know what she followed up with? Okay, then I guess I'm not. Now, when you say, I guess so, obviously she's not, right? To her, it wasn't that obvious. And maybe you're sitting here going, dude, you guys are crazy. I'm never inviting you to my house. You know, like, But imagine if you had a wedding, and I asked the woman, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I guess so. (laughs) Whoa, what's going on here? That's not a real answer. That's a bad answer. And so here's what we're going to talk about today. Who is Jesus Christ? Is he indeed God's son? Because there is an ambiguity in the world today. There is people who don't want that clarity. I understand that. I've been there. And now I want you to see what Jesus has to say for himself. Have you ever been falsely accused? Man. Isn't that hard? You're just like, oh no, no, you don't understand me. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been rightly accused when you're guilty of sin? I was thinking about this early this morning. Jesus is under arrest. What has he ever done wrong? Anybody know? What did he do? He's under arrest. He's gone through three trials already. He'll go through three more. And they have six trials because they can't pin anything on him. Here's what he's being accused of, by the way. Pretending he's somebody he's not. Okay? Where I'm from, we call that fake IDs. That's what I was arrested for, pretending I was somebody I wasn't. And yet, I was guilty. Jesus was likening himself to be God. And I said, you can't do that. You can't pretend to be God. You can't claim to be God. You can't sit in that place of God unless you're God. Then you get to. Then you get to. And this is the decision you have to make today. Jesus thought he was God. Jesus said he was God. Jesus acted like God. Jesus came as God. But there are people who say no. It's too no. No, he didn't. And the evidence is clear. Let's read it. Verse 66. As soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, they came together and led him into their council, saying, This is trial number four. If you are the Christ, tell us. And he said to them, If I tell you, you will by no means believe. Stop right there, eyes up here. They ask him, are you the Christ? It's pretty clear. It's a simple question. The answer is not gonna be ambiguous at all. Yes or no, you're Christ or not. Nobody tells them, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And I'm gonna say this right now while you guys are still listening before anybody tunes me out. There are people today that say, I would believe. I'm gonna ask them, hey, I would believe God if he would just tell me. Jesus right here says, I can't tell you the answer, because you wouldn't even believe me. You've actually chosen not to believe the evidence or the data that's been provided. You just, you've already made that decision. Through hardness of heart, through bad information, through rebellion, whatever the case is, Jesus, read it again, red letters, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. This is a dangerous place to be, by the way. Jesus has given enough evidence. Look at verse 68, he continues his answer. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me, nor let me go. Jesus said, if I had a dialogue with you about this, want to talk about it your answers are already prefabricated you've already dug your heels in you've already plugged your ears you're not even going to listen to logic by the way jesus has already done christ-like things are you the christ is the question on the table jesus has walked on water he's multiplied bread he's raised the dead he's healed the blind he's healed the lame he's done crazy things like hey what power are you using to do this he's like you wouldn't even believe me because you don't believe me look at his verse or his, his answer keeps going verse 69 Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus continues this answer. I wouldn't even be able to converse with you guys because your hearts are so hard. But here's the answer you're looking for. After all this stuff, I'm going to sit on the right hand of the power of God. (laughs) Are you the Christ? Yeah. And when this is all said and done, you're putting me on trial right now? I will put you on trial. Tread lightly. In love. By the way, Jesus, when he's saying this... His face is swollen shut. His beard has been plucked out of his face. He's been beaten all night long without sleep, without food, without water. Three trials at the the hands of Annas and Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. He is a missionary of love with his haters. Those who have seen what he's done and yet would not bow their hearts, would not bend their necks, but instead are trying to kill him. Jesus says, careful, guys. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, second question, verse 70, are you then the Son of God? And so he said to them, you rightly say that I am.
1: And they said, what
0: further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Stop right there. Eyes up here for you uh, Bible students or law students, they had already had three trials where false witnesses came together the night before, accusing Jesus of crazy things. Accusing Jesus of crimes he'd never committed. None of that worked because their crimes that they were accusing him of didn't corroborate. So here they finally say, okay, he just claimed to be the son of God. He just claimed to be the Christ. That's blasphemy where we come from. That's enough. Let's take him in. Isn't it cool that they couldn't find any dirt on Jesus? If I hired an investigative reporter and sent him out to turn over stones in your life, thank you, Jan, no, no, don't do it. How long would it take him to find some juicy stuff? You know what I'm saying? Oh, don't do it with me either, please. Jesus, he's, listen, he's the spotless lamb being examined. They're trying to find something wrong with him. What would, did, let's ask his brothers. I'm sure he threw one of them down the stairs, you know what I'm saying? Like, even his brothers are like, he's perfect. He's never been mad at us. He's always been nice. Guy's done nothing wrong. He's done everything right. He's the son of God. He's the christ look what happens next then the whole multitude of them arose and they led him to pilate and they began to accuse him saying we found this fellow perverting the nation forbidding to pay taxes to caesar saying that he himself is a christ a king stop right guys. up here pontius pilate was a roman governor he's not a jew He doesn't have a Jewish bone in his body. He doesn't understand their customs, the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, blah, 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 don't care, don't care. So when they come to Pilate, they say, this guy's trying to pervert taxes. He's trying to overthrow the government. He's an insurrectionist. You better watch out. He's a rebel rouser. None of that was true. But Pontius Pilate had to listen because he was in a quandary himself. He had two strikes against him governmentally. One more strike and he would be gone. He needed to keep peace. He's a politician. So when he hears this accusation, this guy's trying to pervert justice. He's trying to take the taxes away. And anytime you talk about taking taxes away, the government's going to listen. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I figured out a way to avoid taxes. See you in jail, buddy. I'm serious. I, anyways, different story. Take me out to coffee. I'll tell you. Here we go. Not about me. Other people. Anyways, Pi- Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, verse three, saying, "Are you the King of the Jews?" Now, mind you, what is Pilate looking at here? He's looking at a man who's hard to recognize, who's in chains, who's being accused by his people of rebellion and insurrection and perversion. The king of the Jews. The Jews are there trying to kill him, and, and Pilate's just processing. You're the king? Have you seen yourself, Jesus? Do you know what's going on? You're not, you're not the king. You can't be the king. You Just look, dude. You can't be the king, is what he's saying. Verse 3, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, and he said, it is as you say. Jesus has been asked three times in three separate ways. Are you the king? Are you the son of God? And are you the Christ? He's given three opportunities to say, you know, oh, that's why we're here? Wow, I can't believe you guys thought that about me. Oh my gosh, such a huge misunderstanding. No, 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 I'm not. I'm a rabbi, I'm a teacher, I'm a nice guy, I'm a guru, I'm a dude. When given opportunity to take himself off of those positions, Jesus stays. Now here's the deal. The question on the table is this, who is Jesus Christ? If you were taking a test, I would give it to you this way, multiple choice. You have three rightful answers to the question, who is Jesus Christ? The first right answer that you could put is this, he's a liar. Because here he claimed to be Christ, and I don't think he is. He's an absolute liar who led astray tens of thousands then and millions and billions now. Okay, the only problem with saying that Jesus Christ is a liar, which you have to say if you don't say that he's Lord, he's a liar. The only problem with being a liar is that liars aren't nice, Liars don't live their lives for the poor. Liars don't live their lives in mercy for the needy. Liars don't live their lives in obscurity in order that others would have their p- things put together. Jesus was a missionary of love. Liars don't do that. Jesus wasn't a liar. You can't say that. No one would. The other option that you would have is not that he's a liar, but that he's a lunatic. Okay? That Jesus is actually crazy. I've been in the ministry now for 20 years. I've actually met at least half a dozen men who at some point in their lives figured out, I think I'm Jesus Christ. And I've had coffee with them. I've taken them to Costco. I've driven around with them. I've prayed for them. I've argued with them. As a matter of fact, we had a guy four weeks ago show up to Celebrate Recovery. He's convinced he's Jesus Christ. I got a phone call from some of the leaders. Hey, Jesus Christ is here at Celebrate Recovery. He's like, no way, you know. No, not the real Jesus Christ, a fake one, you know. And, And at first I was like, well, Jesus can show up to Celebrate Recovery. I'll believe it, you know. And but the kids were afraid of him, and he was attacking people. I was like, "No, no, that's not Jesus. That's a different guy." And we had to ask some of our elders and helpers to ask him to leave. And we had to ask them, "Hey, I know, no, you got to go." And he pronounced a thousand years of curses on us. Now, now we're all in trouble. And all he needed was a ride to Walport, so we gave him one. None of that is false, by the way. True story. I know him. He's actually uh, he's he needs prayers. What he needs. I don't mean to be condescending. Okay, mental illness and. And, and, and mental illness is not new by the way okay people lose their minds as a matter of fact our story has people characters that historically we know would lose their minds i'll tell you about that at the end jesus point blank it is as yeah i am the king you're right <laughs> you can't say that unless you're a liar that's okay if you're lying or if you're crazy you can say it he's not crazy okay crazy people can't walk on water they can try but they'll just end up swimming Okay, crazy people can't take a lunchable and break it into loaves and then feed thousands of people. Crazy people can't grab dead people's hands and raise them up out of bed. Crazy people can't do those things. Crazy people are actually, unfortunately, easy to identify. Okay, like, well, you say, oh, and we we give them parameters, give them love and mercy. Jesus isn't crazy. Jesus isn't a liar. Your third option, multiple choice. Which one is he? He's a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he is indeed the Lord. Those are your options. And after you've weighed the evidence, like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to believe that. I don't know if I want to go that route. I'm not sure if I want to do it. And the reality is Jesus would say, you don't have a choice. You must agree or disagree. And, and you might know somebody, or maybe you're even here today, and you say, you know what? That's just, man, pastor, calm down, dude. You're being mean. You're, you're drawing, though. That's a, that's a pretty severe line in the sand. That if I get this answer wrong, everything in my life's going to be wrong. And if I get this answer right, because here's the problem. If Jesus is the king, if he is the son of God, if he is the Christ, and he said he was, then he gets to make the rules. And he said, I'm coming back, and my judgment will be in my hand. I'm coming back, and those who love me will be with me. Those who are with me, they're part of my team. And it's the gospel of God's salvation through his son, but there are those who will reject him unknowingly, (sighs) unrelentingly. And and again, if you're here this morning, it's that serious. Or if you were yesterday blessed to be on the lift with Adam Pearson, sheesh. It was a divine appointment. And God has things for you and for me to understand about how he works and what he's doing in our lives. Because once you understand who Jesus is, it changes everything. Look at verse 3 again. Actually, let's start at verse 1 of chapter 23. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, it is as you say. Pilate here, the Roman governor, had an opportunity to meet with Jesus face to face. And Jesus didn't deny the claims that were brought against him, but instead owned them. I am the king, in fact, as I am being accused, and as you have asked. So Pilate, verse 4, said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. Stop right, there. eyes up here. They're all in Jerusalem at this time. It's the Passover celebration. And all of a sudden, the accusation comes against Jesus. He's been perverting people all the way up in Galilee, where he's from. And Pilate hears that. He Wait, 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 wait. Galilee? So you guys know that Galilee was up north and Jerusalem was down south where the Passover was and up north there were other people in charge of the government, namely Herod Antipas. Look at verse six. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Pilate sees an opportunity. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He's Galilean? He's not my problem then. I don't want to make a decision, okay? I don't, okay, I don't, I don't have to deal with him. I'm gonna get him off my hands. I'll send him to Herod Antipas because I don't want to deal with it. Did you know that this is what most people who aren't Christians have come to a conclusion in their own life? Well, I'm not gonna crucify Jesus. I'm just gonna let somebody else deal with it. Did you know that when you make a non-decision about Jesus, you have made a decision about Jesus? Like, there's no, there's no middle ground. When you, when, you, when you don't love him, you, the Bible says you hate him That's what Jesus said. If you're not for me, you're against me. And most people who are not Christians wouldn't say that. They would be like, no, 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 I'm not against him. And Christ sees you as his enemy. This is important stuff. Because there are people who are good people. You ever met a good person before? Dude, we were on the lift yesterday. This kid next to me, I think he was 14 years old. His name was Canyon, okay? And he was a snowboarder, man, so I knew he was a good guy right away. I'm just playing and he was right next to me and here's what I said I said hey what are you all about bro and here's what this kid said 14 year old kid with braces nice kid he said here's what I'm all about I'm all about snowboarding I'm all about surfing the river I'm all about mountain biking I'm all about hiking and, and he said one more thing about in Bend I'm all about something else And I said you must be from Bend Oregon you know that's exactly what the Bend guy I'm kayaking I do all this Bend stuff and then Adam Pearson leans forward and he says let's say you become a quadriplegic tonight you know I was like, where do you get this stuff from, Pearson? It was a true question. He said, what if you become a quadriplegic tonight? What's left for Canyon? Everything you just described, all cool stuff, I get it. Like, what are you all about? What if all that just falls apart? Because it does for people, and it will for him eventually. You can't keep doing those things. And when he asked that question, what if all that gets stripped away and you have nothing? Is there anything left for Canyon? And he kind of squirms like, whoa, <laughs> you know, that's ah, a horrible thought. Ah. It was a fun conversation. And, and so then we gave him the good person test. You ever taken the good person test? The good person test is this. We asked him, have you ever, ever told a lie, Canyon? And he was like, kind of like hesitant. He's like, well yeah maybe you know we're like dude have you ever taken you know have you ever lied finally we got him to agree that he's lied before you know like, okay cool and, and then when we asked so i said how many times do you have to lie to be a, a liar categorically speaking if you murder one person you're now in the category of murderer just one you're a murderer now it's just kind of it's it's where you're at so so you're technically a liar who snowboards and kayaks and does all this cool stuff and then he was a really good kid, though. I, I'm honest, I was like really impressed. And then we're like, what about stealing? Have you ever stolen anything? And he was emphatic. I've never stolen anything in my life. And we were like, even in nothing, even from school or from your brother, like nothing. And we're like, Canyon, how can we even trust you? You're a liar. <laughs> but actually, we gave it to him. We're like, dude, you know what? He just he said, I've never, ever, ever stole it. You know, we're like, and we're like, that's okay, good, 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 good. And then we asked him, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever said, you know, G D? Or have you ever taken you know, Jesus Christ as a curse word? And he actually kind of got humbled. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I, I, have, I have done that. And we began to give him the good guy test. So, according to you, are a cussing, blaspheming, lying, you know, kind of guy that doesn't steal, but you probably will one day, you know. And you got all these things and trying to lead him to the Savior. And we told him the same thing Look, Ken, before you go to bed tonight, dude, Jesus loves you. I, just, I was so impressed. I really was impressed with this guy. I was like, Dude, you're a good kid. Like, you're, I want to meet your parents and tell them they're doing a good job. He's a nice guy but he needs Jesus. You can be a good guy. Here's Pilate now. He's the Roman governor. Jesus is right there, and he finds out, oh, wait, you're Galilean? Okay, maybe I don't need to make a decision. Maybe I'll just, okay, I'm gonna send you to Herod. Herod can deal with it. I don't want to deal with it, because why should I? I'm the, I'm the governor, and I'm, I'm thankful for guys like Canyon. I'm thankful for people like you that are here today, people you know. There are people that don't know Jesus that are better than me, for sure, by a long shot, okay, living their lives, or doing great things, but they they don't know jesus and if he is real if he's the king if he's the son of god if he's the christ that's a big deal then all the good that they've ever done all the bad that they've not done will not compare to who christ is that is the question and so he sends them to herod antipas herod now herod antipas i'm not going to bore you guys but for those Bible students are historians. Herod Antipas's dad was Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one who killed all the babies trying to kill Jesus when he was born. Remember the wise guy showed up to worship Jesus? Hey, where's the king of Israel? <gasps> There's a king? I'd like to worship him too. Where's he at? King Herod said, Herod the Great. They said, oh, he's in, he's in Nazareth. And so he put an edict out and killed all the babies, two years old and younger in that region, trying to take Jesus out. And Jesus and his parents fled to Egypt until he was older, until Herod the Great died. And Herod Antipas, this guy, was born. Herod Antipas doesn't come from a great lineage. He's kind of a wacko himself. As Herod Antipas got older, he decided to marry his niece, and then he broke up with her, and he married his brother's wife, which was also their niece. And they had this crazy thing going on back and forth and weird political strategies. And somebody called them out. Do you guys remember who it was? John the baptizer, John the baptizer said, Herod, you're the king, what are you doing? You're you're, you're out of order, and the gal that he was with at the time got mad and said, you can't tell us that, lock him up, and John the baptizer, Jesus' older cousin was imprisoned, and then one of Herod Antipas' wives' daughters danced for him, and he was drunk, and he made a promise, whatever you want up to half the kingdom, just ask for it, and so that girl went to her mom and said, what should I ask for? She said, You ask for John the Baptizer's head on a platter. And she so asked for it. And so this guy, Herod, Antipas, said, Bring me John's head on a platter. And it was done. Now he's standing with Jesus, the cousin of Jade the Bee. And he's going to look him in the eye. He's a real piece of work. Let's read it. Verse 7 As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Stop right there, eyes up here. Herod, all of a sudden, like, oh, I get to see Jesus? Dude, I've been waiting to see this guy for a while. I heard all about him. Bring him here, bring him here. And in comes Jesus, chained, beaten, bloodied, and on trial. And Herod Antipas looks at him and says, oh, if i been wanting to see you, it says right here. And with many words, Herod Antipas spoke to him and said, do something great, man. Don't you take water and turn it into wine? I heard about that. Don't you take Lunchables and feed thousands? Don't you take things that aren't and make them there? You do miracles, and he asked for miracles. Now, I did a little research. I didn't do as much as I could have. So if I'm wrong in what I'm about to say, email me. I'll read it and delete it. But Jesus stood before Herod. As Herod went, do this, do that. You know what Jesus did? He didn't say a word. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the only time that Jesus ever had a face-to-face with anybody that he said not one thing. Not one thing at all. He was silent before the Sanhedrin the night before, and then he spoke. He was silent like a lamb before its shears. And here, Herod Antipas is asking for something. You know what he's saying? Oh, whoa, 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 you're Jesus. I heard about you. Hey, can you do something for me right now, please? What does Jesus do? I ain't doing nothing for you. Well, why not? Here's why. I'll tell you this to your face. Because Jesus had already done enough, okay? He'd already done enough. And the miracles and the declarations of what Jesus had already provided, and there was this man standing there as an example of every other person in the world that says, I'll believe if he just does something for me. And he would say, I have done so much for you. I have already done it. And you're asking, I've met people that say, I would totally become a believer if God would just prove himself to me. (laughs) Have you examined the data? Have you looked into the claims? Have you read the text? There is enough already on the table to change your life. There is nothing left for him to do to save your soul. It's been done. And there are people, eh, not good, not good enough. And Jesus being asked for what I would call a lesser miracle. Don't raise your hands, please, okay? And be careful. If you're a Christian here today, be, be careful of this. Because you who are saved can find yourself disappointed by life, wondering where the goodness of God is in that moment, Lord, if you were good, then what the heck, time out, did you just say, if I was good, and you can, you, you Christians here, not those who are examining, is he Christ, you know he's Christ, but you can also fall into this same Herod Antipas cycle, where you're faced with Jesus, and you want more than he's already given in your present situation, and you're dissatisfied, careful. I have to repent of this often. And I stop and say, Lord, have you done enough in Luke Frechette's life? Oh, yeah. If the Lord does no other good thing in my life forever, he has already done enough. He has already done too much for what I deserve. He has already been too kind. Herod Antipas said, "Do, do, do something for me. He'd already done enough. And by the way, if you're dissatisfied with the Lord today, I get it. I'm not here to condemn at all. I'm, I'm among you. But this is the only time in Scripture where God goes silent to one who is asking. He had Christ in front of him. Hey, I want to see Christ. Where's he at? Right here. We'll do something then. In, in essence, as he bled and would die that same day, in essence, Jesus could have said, He could have said this I am. I am doing a miracle right now. I am dying for you. I am standing in your presence. You deserve this not. The greatest deed ever done was in order to fulfill the greatest need within humanity. You who sit here today and want more, I get it, I do too. You've got enough. He has been good. Here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. Is that Jesus Christ is not afraid to give you more, depending on your heart. Do you know that when Jesus was with the woman at the well, men didn't talk to women back then. Women didn't have any rights. So what did Jesus do about that? He said, I don't like your rules. I'm going to go talk to some women. And he went and found a woman. A woman who'd had a hard life, a woman who nobody liked, He said, I'm going to go love her. She needs love. And when she said something to him, you know what she said? She told him, Jesus, she said, when the Messiah comes, he'll show us everything. And Jesus smiled. and He said, he who speaks to you is he. I'm him. Here's Herod, the king. Do something. Show me, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me. Here's a woman who had five husbands, was living with one that wasn't her husband at the time. And Jesus pursued her and made sure, listen please, made sure she knew that he was the king. It's kind of a matter of the condition of your heart, is it not? And if you're here this morning and you truly want good answers, see these guys asked him, are you the Christ? Yeah, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. But if you back up and say, Jesus? Like my friend Jeremy on the lift we met yesterday. Jesus, are you the Christ? Jesus will say to Jeremy, he who speaks to you is he. He will say to you this morning, he will save your soul. He will deliver you. He will give you that which you do not deserve. But if your heart is antagonistic, prideful, judgmental towards him, there is a chance that the voice of God will not be heard. Herod heard nothing. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I've been wanting to see you. Why? Because it's for weird entertainment purposes. Verse 9, then he questioned him with many words, and he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt, and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. This gorgeous robe would have been a Roman robe of royalty. Hey, put one of those robes on, this guy's a king. Let's parade him around Jerusalem during the Passover. Can you imagine this mob? Jesus' blood dripping off his body with the royal robe of Rome. There's the king of the Jews. When he would finally be crucified, there would be three languages written above his cross saying, behold, the king of the Jews, mocking him. And yet the declaration of Christ's heart was known. He thinks he's the king. He was. They it sent him back to Pilate. Look at verse 12. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other. For previously, they had been at enmity with each other. Previously, they had blocked each other on Facebook. And now they unblocked each other and followed each other. They became best friends. Now, Luke's a historian. He's an author. He's a doctor. He writes stuff that's important. And so he writes this. He's like, by the way, guys, it was crazy. All of a sudden, Herod, this guy, and Pilate, this guy, become friends. How? Because of their, I'll just say it this way, because of their connection to folly. I'm going to say something I want you guys to just consider on your own. I'm not going to label anybody. But it is amazing. Those groups who deny Jesus have a unity within themselves that makes no sense. There are groups that have no connection one to another, okay, based on what they believe in where they're going, except their distaste and rejection of Jesus in the Bible. There are myriads of groups that are linked arm in arm. Yeah, let's march together. Let's do this. I don't know why you're here, but I'm here. But we all hate good. The Bible. It's crazy. You can just fill in the blanks and just kind of drink a cup of decaf and freak out a little bit about it. It's weird. There are people who are united in folly. Look at verse 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people and indeed having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things by which you accuse him. Stop right there, eyes up here. I want you to notice verse 13 and make this observation with me. Pilate had a chance to meet Jesus. What did he do? He got got rid of him. You know, shook it off. Ah. And then all of a sudden, he's standing around the courtyard, and he looks up, and he sees him come back with a purple robe on. What? Dude, I thought I got rid of this guy. Can I just say something? Jesus walked right back to Pilate. and He stood in front of him. Because Jesus will always come back to you a second time. If you reject him, if you say no to him, he's so kind he will follow you. He will end up back in your presence in your courtyard. You do not deserve it, but you need it, and Jesus comes back, and maybe you're on the opposite side, and you're in Pilate's court. You're like, why is this happening? I don't want to deal with this, but let me just tell you, it's the grace of God in your life when Jesus gives you once, twice, and three, and even more opportunities to deal with him. Verse 14, he says, that, I've examined this man the ones that you accuse. Look at verse 15. No, neither did Herod find anything wrong with him. For I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. Stop right there. Eyes up here for any of you who care or law students. Look for the, the real Roman statement right here. The legal statement from Pontius Pilate, the governor. We've examined him. Herod did. I did. He's innocent. Just so you guys know, in case you're wondering. Why, why, would, then what, why, is, why is Jesus being arrested then? The prophecies declare that the Messiah will die through crucifixion. Why is Rome involved? Rome perfected the art of crucifixion. Capital punishment was in Rome's hands, not the Jews. Did you know the Jews lost their freedom to rule with capital punishment in AD 16? They couldn't kill people anymore. And so they needed this guy dead. So they bring him to the Romans, who would fulfill prophecies out of Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, all of of this had to happen. And yet, the state ruled innocent, just as the lamb had to be innocent before the foundations of the world. Look at verse 16. Wait, wait, let me pause. He says, he's innocent. We've examined him. He's done nothing wrong. Verse 16, therefore, I will chastise him and release him. Now, if you're in trouble, and the judge says, we've examined it, we've checked it out, and we all agree, you are innocent. So we're going to beat you within an inch of your life and set you free. You're like, oh, lawyer, lawyer, you know, what? I'm in it. That's what he said. He's innocent. So we're going ch- to chastise somebody would be to give them 40 lashings minus one. 40 lashings killed a person every single time. So they had mercy, a mercy law. Let's give them 39, which killed people often. What is going on here? He's innocent. He didn't do it. So let's just chastise him and set him free. Pilate here, working his best in a political maneuver to set this man free, bargain a deal. Verse 17, it says here, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. This is what they did. They released a prisoner during the Passover. Verse 18, and they all cried out at once, saying, away with this man, and release to us Barabbas. Because there's no other way to say Barabbas except Barabbas. Everyone say Barabbas like I just did yeah thank you. Yeah, it's fun i'll tell you why you say it that way barabbas verse 19 who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder barabbas was a bad guy did you know that that day there was already three people on death row actually four two thieves a murderer and now jesus had been arrested four crucifixions are happening that day One person gets released, though. It's the Passover. Who should we release? Pilate says, you know what? I'm going to chastise Jesus and release him. Is that good enough for you guys? No. No, 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 no. We want Barabbas. Set Barabbas free. Give us Barabbas. And Pilate said, what? Barabbas? He's a murderer, an insurrectionist, a rebel, a thug. You want to release this man back into society and kill Jesus? What is he on trial for? What has he done except heal and deliver and minister? He's done nothing wrong. We've examined him. Pilate verse 20. Therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, why? What evil has he done? I find no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. This is getting crazy. You got the religious, the rulers, kill them. You got the people who are becoming riotous. Crucify him, crucify him. You got Pilate who has to keep calm. He sees no fault in Jesus. He sees the riot happening. He says, let me just beat him and set him free. Why don't we kill Barabbas? What's going on here? Verse 23, but they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested And he released to them the one they requested. Who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Can you imagine this scene? Luke doesn't tell us what happens. But we know from the other gospel writers that in the middle of this upheaval, guess whose wife shows up to the scene? Pilate's. She shows up and she says, hey, come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here, you know. You guys, ever had, had your spouse talk to you that way? Me neither. And he said, like, what, what, what do you need? And his wife pulls him aside. And she says to him, Do not trouble this man, for I have had a dream about this just man. You've got to let him go. She had a dream about Jesus. She said, Do not mess with this guy. She went back into the shadows. And Pilate, what are you talking about, woman? What is happening? Let's just chastise him and let him go. Everyone okay with that? Give me a cheer for letting him go! Crucify him! And here Pilate, standing on the horns of a dilemma, a political puppet, looking at Jesus, on trial, in contrast to Barabbas you guys know what Barabbas means "bar abbas." Son of Abba, son of the Father." a murderer. And then you've got on the right, Jesus Christ, the Son. And the contrast and the weight and the destiny of these two men hangs in the balance of Pontius Pilate. And they say, crucify him. Release to us Barabbas. And the guards go up and they undo the chains of Barabbas. And the chains fall off of him. And the crowd goes nuts and wild. Give us Barabbas. And Jesus looks at heaven. Give him Barabbas. I got this. Give him Barabbas. Father, I will be treated like Barabbas so you can treat Barabbas like me. I will take his place. I have been proven innocent because I am. I will stand in this place. I will die the death that he should have died because you know who Barabbas really is? He's you and he's me. We stand in that place. in Christ bound, destined to die, says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I will die for that man. I will die for that woman. I will die so they can live. Let him go. And the crowd goes wild, not even knowing what they're doing. Can you imagine Barabbas as he watched Jesus be led down the stairs to the whipping post, clothes torn off his back? And then the flagellum, the cat of nine tails with leather strips coming out of it and bones and metal and glass. And as those whips would go upon his back, tenderizing the flesh, and the flesh would begin to swell, and the hooks would go into the flesh, and you would begin to pull chunks of flesh off of the victim. History tells us that ribs would often break and be pulled out of the victim, thrown across the courtyard. And Barabbas, standing there on this day of freedom, as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, John the Baptist had declared three years earlier, oh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he was baptized. This is the story, guys. This is what happened. This is why a man stands on stage to you, yelling a little bit, I apologize. This is why a man stands on stage to you and can declare the gospel because of what Jesus did. I do not deserve to be here, okay? I do not deserve to be here. And yet Christ has come to me and said, I'll take your spot, Luke. I will set you free. You will become a son of the Father too. You are Barabbas. I am Barabbas. He has set us free. And we make much of Jesus. And he changes lives. I'm going to have Paul come lead us in a closing song. As we take communion, we celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives. We celebrate. You cannot deny the evidence. You can only respond right or wrong. That's it. There are men smarter than you that stood there on that day and examined him and declared, he's innocent. He's innocent. And yet Jesus, controlling the entire scene, said, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. And he endured the shame. Can I just tell you what not to do? As Paul begins to play, don't do what Pilate did. In 1961 they found the, the Pilate stone, I don't know if you guys saw that. It's a historical dig, detailing Pontius Pilate, he's real, I don't know if it, you, guys, you guys all believe that right, he's real. History tells us that he would eventually be exiled, he would lose his position, and he would go to Sicily. And while he was living his days in Sicily, he actually lost his mind. I find no fault in this man. That's what he said. And yet he crucified Jesus. History tells us that he actually took his own life, killed himself. That's what he did. Herod Antipas, who stood there with Jesus, right there, right there, right there with Jesus, (laughs) would also be fired, exiled, and would die single, alone, alone penniless, broken, kingdom ripped away. Don't do what those guys did. And let me just give you four observations quickly. Number one, those two men, they ignored a clear word. Absolutely clear. Clear as day. Don't do that. Number two, Pilate caved into what the world wanted rather than what God wanted. Don't do it. Don't do it. The religious crowd, the secular crowd, and then Jesus. You got to pick. Number three, Pilate didn't listen to his wife. Whoops. He didn't listen to wise counsel. If somebody loves you right now and tells you about Jesus, guess why they tell you that? Because they love you. Because they love you. If you had a flesh-eating disease on your back and and, and you couldn't see it and somebody loved you, they'd tell you, hey, you got a problem. you got a problem. I can see it. You can't. And if you have believers in your life that love you and they're telling you about Jesus, don't, don't, don't ignore that. And lastly, Pilate took water and he washed his hands. And he said, guys, I'm not even a part of this anymore. This is on you. He washed his hands trying to pretend it wasn't his decision you can't pass the blame on somebody else you will be held accountable there is no avoiding it and so what you do with jesus is of paramount importance i'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes father in jesus name we thank you that we indeed have the freedom today to make a decision for jesus that you've given to us grace lord to walk upon you've given us air to breathe in Jesus' name now, as we come to the table, may you be honored in what we do as we celebrate the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus Christ. You did this for us, Lord. Even as we take this cup, it represents your blood. As we take this bread, it represents your body. Your blood spilled for us, Lord. Your body pierced for us, striped, mutilated for us. We do what we do now with thanksgiving. And if you're here today and you want to become a believer and take communion, it is for believers. You can give your life to Jesus Christ right now. See, I believe. It's that clear. I would, be, I would be wrong to make any other conclusion. As a matter of fact, before we take communion, would you like to make that decision right now? Would you just raise up your hand in boldness? No one's looking. Your heads are bowed. Raise up your hand. I see one. I see two. Anybody else would join these? Three, four. A, 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 amen. Raise your hands up right now. I want to do this. I want Jesus. He is my king. I am Barabbas. You can put your hands down. Fathers, we take communion now. Would you be honored and glorified? Deliver us from our sins. Save us, Lord, from ourselves. Be kind to us, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...